last we will reveal ourselves to the Jedi. At last we will have revenge. Sorry, I farted. Welcome to The Force, of course, your bite-sized Star Wars podcast. I'm your host, Ted, and yes, I was a victim of satanic panic. Do you guys know what that is? Back in the 70s, before electricity, everyone was freaking out about the devil and demonic possession and shit like that. With movies like Rosemary's Baby, The Omen, and of course, The Exorcist, you can see where I'm coming from. It's not hard to explain why people would be freaked out like that. Now, as a kid growing up at that time, I was convinced that that stuff was real, and it it freaked me out. When I sat down to prep for this show, I kind of fought with the decision to tell you all this story because, taken the wrong way, it makes me sound fucking nuts. But I figured we're all friends here. I'll go ahead and tell you the story. When The Exorcist came out in 1973, it caused widespread panic. Even though Rosemary's Baby came out like five years earlier, this movie really launched the U.S. into satanic panic. Audiences weren't ready for what they were seeing on the screen. There were stories where people were getting sick in the aisles, uh, people were passing out in the theaters, and people were just running out hysterically. Hearing all this scared me half to death. Anytime The Exorcist was even mentioned, I couldn't get out of the room fast enough. I was absolutely terrified of this movie. And it didn't help that my three older sisters were completely obsessed with it. And this is where my story starts. This is where I may come off as a bit of a lunatic, but what the hell, right? Like I said, we're all friends here. At some point, my oldest sister, Kathy, bought the paperback of The Exorcist, and she would sometimes lovingly chase me around the fucking house with it because even the book scared me to death. Well, one night I had a dream that, for whatever reason, I was reading her book. I don't remember exactly what I was reading, but the freaky part is I woke up all sweaty and scared and went into my sister's room and that same book was on the floor open to the very page I was reading in my dream. Crazy, right? I'm crazy. Clearly. Now, what really happened was that I dreamed all of it like a dream inside a dream, but it really kind of fucked me up, and I wasn't able to watch that movie until I was probably in my late teens. And to this day, I can't really watch it alone. I have to watch it with someone else so I can make fun of it. Now, I know what you must be thinking, Ted, why are we talking about The Exorcist and Satanic Panic on a Star Wars podcast? Well, I will tell you. I was on Instagram the other day. And an extremely talented friend of mine, Matt Applegate, posted a picture of one of his drawings of Darth Maul. And I immediately had two thoughts. My first thought was, holy monkey cocks, this guy is so talented. Do yourself a favor right now. Go to Instagram, 
and seek out his account, Matt Applegate Draws, I believe it's all one word, you will not be disappointed. My second thought as I'm staring at this drawing of Darth Maul is just how frightening he looks and how when I first saw him in the trailer for Phantom Menace back in 99, I was almost afraid of this new villain. Uncle George took a mighty leap with this character design. He says Star Wars is for kids, but I have to wonder how many kids had nightmares about Darth Maul back in 1999. He was the epitome of evil. Those red and black tattoos all over his face, the horns. Holy shit, was Uncle George trying to create another satanic panic? This got me thinking. Darth Maul was such a well-executed villain that I think I need to dedicate an entire episode to him. So, welcome to the Maul episode. We're going to discuss all things Maul, from where he came from, to what the future may hold for him. But first, let's check out the Force of Course News of the Week. Disney Plus Day is September 8th. I don't look for any new streaming content to be announced, but we could get a, I don't know, Mando Season 3 trailer, maybe. That wouldn't suck. And I'm still looking forward to Lando news, even though, uh, I don't know, they don't, they don't want to give it to us. I don't, I'm not sure what the holdup is with that one. Lucasfilm announced it will release a novel that takes place between the events of Jedi Fallen Order and the upcoming Jedi Survivor video games. Written by Sam Maggs and published by Del Rey, Jedi Battle Scars will release on March 7th, 2023. And finally, a new Andor trailer dropped over the weekend with a bit of new footage, and I expect a flurry of TV spots to start hitting now that <clears throat> we're just one month away from the series premiere. We're going to get, you know, just hammered with content before they drop it. And this concludes The Force of Course News of the Week. All right, so normally I wouldn't do a what's up with that guy and such a main character, but if you stop and think about it, we don't know a ton about Darth Maul, especially if all you know is what you've seen in live action. So I decided to kick this Maul-centric episode off with a what's up with that guy, Darth Maul. Maul was a Zabrak male from the planet Dathomir. His mother was a powerful Dathomir witch uh, named Mother Towson. She gave Maul his tattoos at a very young age. Mother Towson was being considered for a spot at Sidious's side as his apprentice, or so she thought. During a visit to the planet Dathomir, Lord Sidious noticed Maul and sensed his potential in the Force. He requested that Mother Towson hand Maul over to one of Sidious's keepers for training. Mother Towson, who didn't want to ruin her chances of being Sidious's apprentice, regretfully complied. I think now is a good time to mention that I'm suddenly aware that I'm saying Sidious's a lot, and it feels weird in my mouth. That's what she said. Now, this keeper treated Maul like an animal, barely feeding him and beating him regularly. You know, I just said the keeper treated him like an animal, barely feeding him and beating him regularly. That's not how you treat a fucking animal. That's not how you treat anything. So basically, I should reword that as this keeper treated Maul like shit. This part is really sad. Maul, he was still a child. Eventually, he leaned into the dark side to overcome this abuse and became quite powerful. During another visit to Dathomir, Sidious noticed this growth in Maul and took him as his apprentice, basically screwing over Mother Towson. 
This would not go unnoticed by her. Mother Towson, after this, would have a highly fueled hatred of Sidious and his cohorts. Now, Sidious finished Maul's training and dubbed him Darth Maul. And this is basically where we meet him in The Phantom Menace. The events of Episode 1 display Maul as a quiet, brooding, vengeful, almost animalistic villain. This wasn't always the case. In fact, we came pretty damn close to getting a very different version of Darth Maul. In the early development days of Episode 1, Darth Maul was set to be played by Benicio Del Toro. He had a healthy amount of dialogue and frankly played a bigger part in the film. When Uncle George made serious cuts and removed most of Maul's film time, it's said that Del Toro backed out. Don't worry, though. He later got to play a much better character in The Last Jedi. Jesus, talk about nightmares. Anyway, Ray Park was eventually chosen to portray Maul, and in my opinion, that was a much better choice, because Park's martial arts background gave Maul a very believable, aggressive combat style. Much like Vader in the original trilogy, Ray Park was the physical embodiment of Maul, but he would be voiced by someone else. In episode one, it would be Peter Serafinowicz, and I'm sure I butchered that name. In every other incarnation of the character, he would be voiced by veteran voice actor Sam Witwer. Darth Maul spent most of the movie stalking our heroes and looking menacing. He only had two lines of dialogue, but was still a main focal point for fans. He caught up with Qui-Gon on Tatooine and had a short lightsaber battle midway through the film, but it wasn't until the climax where we got to see Darth Maul in all his glory, revealing his double-bladed lightsaber and taking on both Qui-Gon and a young Obi-Wan Kenobi. Now, this is one of the fastest and most exciting lightsaber battles in the entire series, and we all know how it goes. Darth Maul is able to separate the older Qui-Gon and his young learner, Obi-Wan. Qui-Gon is cut down. Obi-Wan outsmarts Darth Maul and cuts him in half, and he tumbles down the reactor shaft at Thieves City on Nepu. You guys hear that? That's my giant German shepherd thundering her way down the stairs. I'm going to keep this in. Uh, where was I? Oh yeah, Darth Maul falls down the big hole. Never to be seen again, right? So if you don't watch any of the animated stuff, I'm sure you're completely confused when, at the end of Solo... Darth Maul shows up again, somehow as the ruler of Crimson Dawn, a powerful criminal organization. This was a brief cameo, yet he had five lines of dialogue, which made me hopeful that Maul was going to be seen again someday in Solo 2, Electric Boogaloo. But that movie never happened. And that's what's up with that guy, Darth Maul. Now, I mentioned the animated series and how there was more to Maul's story to be seen there. That's right, and it continues the story of betrayal and hatred that started with Sidious and Mother Talzin. You see, Count Dooku approached Towson for an apprentice when his fledgling force-using assassin Asajj Ventress failed him. Mother Towson offered up Maul's very own brother, Savage Opress. And I know that's a terrible name, but she offered up Savage to Dooku, but secretly Asajj Ventress and Mother Towson plotted to kill Dooku. That plan backfired and fell apart. Then Mother Towson sent Savage on a quest to find his brother Maul. That's right, Maul had survived not only being cut in half, but also the fall down the immense reactor shaft. It's fine, guys. Really, it's fine. Totally possible. Anyway, Maul gets picked up with the trash on Naboo and sent to Lotho Minor, a garbagey planet that doesn't really have much to offer other than creepy vibes. That's where Savage finds him, but Maul was out of his mind, rambling about getting revenge on the one who made him the way he was. Oh yeah, I forgot to mention, at this point, Maul was uh, like half-spider, his upper torso was normal, but he's now attached to, like, a mechanical spider abdomen with a bunch of shitty spider legs. And his horns have grown uh, a lot longer, which I thought was kind of cool. 
Anyway, Savage grabs his brother and takes him back to Dathomir to get his mind right. And to get proper robot legs like God intended. I'm not going to go into much more detail in Maul's story arc in The Clone Wars, but I will say this. If you're interested, start in Season 4 and watch through the end. His contribution to that series is well worth the watch. You see him go from down-on-his-luck failed Sith Apprentice to leader of the Crimson Dawn and ruler of Mandalore, sort of. Seriously, check it out. He's fueled by his hatred of Obi-Wan and does some dastardly shit. Now, we also get to see Maul in an episode of Rebels, where he catches up to his old nemesis, Kenobi, on Tatooine and faces him once again. Maul senses that Kenobi is protecting something or someone and is almost relieved to learn that it's the actual Chosen One who will bring balance to the Force finally. In a very short lightsaber duel, old Ben puts Maul out of his misery once and for all. An interesting thing I learned while doing some research is that Maul was probably in his 50s at that point. He had a very full life. Not a good life, but a full life. Okay, now that we've learned all about Maul, let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk about some Maul what-ifs and do some interesting speculation. Stick around. From Kenner's Star Wars collection, each sold separately, large-sized Darth Vader with his lightsaber. Princess Leia, champion of the rebel cause. With her defender, Luke Skywalker. He can swing him into action on his grappling hook. And load Chewbacca's laser crossbow. Star Wars large-size action figures. Up to 15 inches tall and ready for action. Large-size Darth Vader, Chewbacca, Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, each sold separately from Kenner. Hey, welcome back. I hope you enjoyed the break. I know I did. I watched a series on Hulu called The Secrets of Skinwalker Ranch. This is so annoying. I don't, I don't know why I let this shit happen to me, but... Supposedly, this ranch in Utah is a hotbed of paranormal activity and UFO sightings and stuff like that. And this team of scientists are doing all these experiments to try and get to the bottom of it. But are they really? I feel like they get close to doing something that could potentially provide an answer for whatever phenomena it is that they're looking into. And then they back off for whatever reason. Probably just to prolong the series. I don't know. What I do know is that I'm locked into watching this until the bitter end. I can't give it up. I got I to gotta see it through. And I'm sure it's going to be inconclusive. That's how all these shows go. Like all the ghost shows and all, you know, all that shit. They, they, at the end, they're like, well, you know, we're sure something's happening, but we don't really know what. Well, no fucking shit something's happening. That's why they called you in the first place. And I don't know what I expect. Are they like the final episode of the final season? Are they going to run out in the field and see an alien out there and they rip the mask off of the alien and there's an old guy holding a magnet and oh my God, it's like an episode of Scooby-Doo. But no, that never happens. Oh God, I, I just, God, I just need Andor to start soon, people. I need something real to watch. This, this isn't working out for me. Now I'm all pissed off. All right, let's get back to some mall talk. Specifically, what was behind the decision to kill him off in the Phantom Menace. Why did Uncle George kill off such a cool villain in the first movie of a trilogy? Honestly, he didn't know Maul was going to be such a hit with the fans, and Maul was never meant to be a big part of the story. He was just a means to an end. His job in the story was to create a reason for Obi-Wan to come around and eventually agree to train young Anakin. Maul killing Qui-Gon did exactly that. Obi-Wan agreed to fulfill his master's dying wish and train the Chosen One. So Maul wasn't really needed anymore after that, right? I want to disagree for a minute. Let's think about this. Let's think about the potential for Maul having survived the fight on Naboo. 
and continuing to be a presence in the prequel trilogy. First, what would that even look like? Without changing the overall narrative of the story, what would that look like? Qui-Gon would still have to die, so everything could potentially stay the same, except we would need to see Maul survive being cut in half and falling down the big hole. Or maybe he doesn't get cut in half, he just gets wounded bad and falls down the big hole. Or maybe he doesn't fall down the big hole at all, but he escapes somehow. Uh, possibly running back down the hallway with the ray shields that separated Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon to begin with. That could work. And then in episode two, Darth Maul could replace Count Dooku, who I thought was a boring villain anyway. But if Maul were to replace Dooku, it would change the mood of the conversation between him and Obi-Wan when Obi-Wan was captured on Geonosis. I don't see Maul being quite so calm and almost friendly toward Obi-Wan like uh, Dooku was. And I do like the idea that uh, his character is driven by his hatred of not just the Jedi, but specifically Obi-Wan Kenobi. So I don't see that conversation uh, going down the same way. I also don't see Maul leading the talks between the banking clan and all the separatists on Geonosis. He doesn't have the same vibe as Dooku in that regard. Maul's all action and Dooku is plotting and scheming and talking and meetings. Um, he would be very big on teams meetings. I think Dooku would. I just don't see Maul doing that. Uh, maybe they could have enriched the character of Maul in the storytelling. I I'm just not sure I see him in that way. I will say, if you replace Dooku with Darth Maul, the lightsaber battle between him and Yoda at the end of Attack of the Clones would be nothing short of epic. Ray Park would lend an acrobatic piece to that fight that Christopher Lee just... I mean, obviously he couldn't. Hell, neither could I. The end of Attack of the Clones could see Maul defeating Obi-Wan and Anakin, adding to the history between Maul and Kenobi. Then... In Revenge of the Sith, Darth Maul could have met his fate at the hands of Anakin, just like Dooku did. And then we would have Palpatine and General Grievous to finish the film and the trilogy as our main villains. In that instance, one other thing I would change is Grievous. I'd make him way more menacing, much more of a threat. If you guys saw the Gendy Tartakovsky Clone Wars animated shorts, you saw a very different Grievous. He was killing everybody. This guy was a goddamn nightmare. Now, after seeing that, I was disappointed in the Grievous that we actually got in the film. He seemed like a coward, not much of a real threat, other than just having an endless supply of droids he can throw at his adversaries. I like that word. Adversaries. But that's how I would have kept Darth Maul in the equation as far as the prequel films go. I really think he was way too cool to get rid of so fast. He felt like a wasted opportunity, which is how I was described through most of high school. But what do I know? I'm just a simple podcaster trying to make my way in the universe. Seeing Maul again in Solo was a welcome surprise for me. I'm sure it was confusing to a lot of fans, but I was so excited to see him in live action again, and I couldn't wait to see him become the big bad for the rest of the Solo trilogy. You know, Solo 2, Electric Boogaloo, and Solo 3, The Search for Spock. But abysmal reviews and horrid box office numbers killed that noise. Even though Solo wasn't the only reason for the box office numbers, We've talked about this before, so I just want to get past it. But the Solo sequel was shot down, leaving the story of Kira and Maul twisting in the wind. Now, is there any chance we'll see how this tale ends? Where could we get more of Maul and his criminal syndicate? If not a Solo movie, then where? Is a streaming series follow-up of the movie a possibility? Could there be a Solo series? Uh, I can't say unequivocally no. 
Alden Ehrenreich has expressed his interest in returning to the role, and Harrison Ford gave his blessing. But even if a follow-up to Solo isn't in the Sabat cards, Maul could still pop up in other series. Series we know are in the works. Now, given the timeline for his death, we know anything post-original trilogy is basically out of bounds, right? So what does that leave us with? Andor? Uh, he would be alive during the events of Andor, but I really doubt that. Andor is taking place right around the time that Maul and Kenobi meet for the last time. And I'm really convinced this series is going to steer away from any Jedi or Sith dealings. Andor is going to be chock full of, I don't know, political intrigue and espionage. Let's leave the Force stuff out of it. Now, could Maul show up in the Bad Batch? He actually could. He's still in his prime at that time, and he's very active in the criminal underworld. Although I don't know how his story overlaps with Clone Force 99. So it is possible, but we're going to go with unlikely at this time. Uh, Mando, we talked about out of the question just because of uh, where it happens in the grand scheme of things. And Ahsoka, probably not Ahsoka, unless he shows up in a flashback. But I think any flashbacks they do in Ahsoka, they're going to be dealing more with Vader uh, and Anakin than they are with uh, Maul. That, that'll just be muddy. So we're going to call Ahsoka unlikely. He wouldn't be around for the Acolyte, as that is taking place much before the Clone Wars. So the only series I can see him being a part of would be Lando. And I think it's high time we start getting some details about this show. Maul would make for a really cool villain in the Lando series. He could pick up basically right where he left off in Solo. We could see Lando trying to skirt the criminal underworld while making his way in the galaxy and trying to survive in a world where you can't trust anyone. The Lando series has a ton of potential and Maul could fit right in. I'm not going to give up hope on this series or on seeing Maul again in live action. I think it's just a matter of time. They they opened Pandora's box with Solo. There's just too much to leave hanging out there like that. Anyway, that's what I think. What do you guys think? Is Maul over and done with? Or will we see more of his story somewhere? And if so, where would that happen? Let me know your theories and let's speculate wildly. All right, that's enough out of me. Thanks so much for listening. I believe I'm back on track with getting episodes out regularly now, and I really appreciate you all uh, for being patient with me and my craziness. All right, Sharon, take us out of here. Thanks for listening to The Force, of course, your bite-sized Star Wars podcast with your host, Ted. If you like the show, tell a buddy, tell a friend. Word of mouth is the best way to grow the audience. If you'd like to interact with the show, you can do so on social media at The Force, of course, on Instagram and Facebook. You can email the show directly at theforceofcourse77 at gmail.com. The music playing us out is by Closed on Sunday. Check them out on YouTube and Instagram. Thanks again for listening to The Force of Course. And as always, play with your toys. <laughs>